0: Turn their retirement goals into reality and improve their
1: lives. And now,
0: here's your host, Ross Brannan.
1: Welcome to the show. Today, we have Dr. Corey Wegner, CEO at Coaching for Success LLC. Corey was a practicing dentist for 30 years and he recently transitioned out, is now the CEO of Coaching for Success, helping dentists like you grow your practice. Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks for
2: having me. Appreciate it.
1: So tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been a dentist for a long time. You're not a dentist dentist before. You're now a dental coach. Tell everyone about yourself. Yeah. So 30 years practicing dentist.
2: Uh, I had two practices, started with one after about uh, 15 years, halfway through, uh, added on another one. Bought Both of my practices from existing dentists and just You know, did my research, took a look, checked all the numbers and realized that I probably could make them even better. So uh, that's kind of what I did. Um, The reason I'm into coaching now is uh, got a little hurt. So it was it was a dental dental thing. Mostly Um, it was a neck issue, which a lot of dentists, I am told, get over time. Um, I've done everything I could to prevent it over time. I wore loops to keep myself upright. I had armrests to support my body. And, you know, listen, dentists uh, sacrifice their body a little bit to help patients and I I wouldn't trade anything that I did because I was very proud and very excited to help all the people I did over time. I, I loved what I did. So it's, it's unfortunate that it knocked me out, but you know, as they say, when uh, life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. So I loved the business of dentistry. I always loved the business of dentistry as much as I loved the clinical. It was it was honestly a 50-50 split for me. So it didn't take me very long the first year after my surgery and my fusion to figure out that I wanted to still stay around dentistry. Even if I couldn't do the clinical, maybe I could help other dentists with the business of dentistry because there's a lot going on and there's a lot of hats to wear as dentists know. So the unfortunate reality is we don't get a lot of business education as a dentist. We, we really don't. We're very good clinically and we walk in and if we own our own practice, it is a crapshoot and it's trying to figure it all out if you don't have some support.
1: Well, I mean, you're right. You don't learn anything in business. It's all clinical uh, that you learn in school. And very there are some people who have a natural business knack but they're very few and far between when they're of the dentist so you've got to go out and learn on your own uh whether it's through a mentor whether it's through a coaching group or whatever so i mean if you want to grow and most people do uh then you got to find some help from the outside
2: Absolutely. And and the other reason I think that I really wanted to go down this road as well. I mean, number one. Yeah. Uh, Anybody who thinks retirement's awesome. I don't know. I guess it can be, but I'm. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I'm I am I just turned 58 years old, and I'm sorry, but my dad taught me to be a worker. I love to work. I I've spent the last year with or the last year or two, you know, training for the coaching and rehabbing, getting a business set up. But it's it's not as fun sitting around as you think. It just isn't. I it isn't even the money. I just enjoy being active. I enjoy helping. I mean, why do you get into dentistry anyway? Right, you're a helper. You want to fix things. You want to make things better. That's what you do. So. Uh, Uh, I have had in my almost entire 30 years, I had a coach or consultant or two at any given time and really never did not have one. They were tremendously helpful. All of them. I mean, even the ones that I didn't stay with very long because maybe we outgrew each other at some point, I gleaned some really good information from every single one of them and I, and I can't be, I couldn't be more grateful. So I know that that was a big part of my success and I'm hoping that I can continue. And I've, I've helped several already, but I'm hoping I can continue to help more and more owner doctors and and even their teams. I mean, that's, that's something I'll work with as well. So it isn't always just the doctor. Sometimes it isn't the doctor at all, but it's the team that needs the coaching. So we'll, we'll work it either way.
1: When you work with somebody, what's typically, the immediate first thing that needs to be adjusted, challenged, whatever word you would use there. Uh, yeah, that's that's not that hard of an answer,
2: honestly. the the first thing that I tend to see the most is how to get more out of your team. It is it is a uh, um, somewhat of a disconnect I find between a lot of doctors and their teams. And it's not, it's not this argumentative sort of thing. It's not, it's not a me against them. It's none of that. But it's just there's there's something missing in how many doctors talk to and communicate and and align with with their team. So I I really, if I see any of that, and I almost always see some of that, I really go after that and really try to help the doctor communicate,
1: is it? Well, let explain that a little bit. Is this doctors talking down to their team?
2: Sometimes generally it's not that bad. It, it, it's not even that there's it's, it's definitely a different climate these days than it was when I got out in 91 and started, you could be a little bit more of the boss. And again, I do not I don't mean that in a, in a, any bad negative connotation sort of way, but you know, I think you could tell people more just what to do back in the day and they would just do it. I'm seeing a lot of different different sort of vibes and trends in, in the, the workers these days, the employees and the teams and, and this generation that's coming up and that, that may be in their, you know, 20s and early 30s. You got to treat it a little differently. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't take straight up orders as well because it feels rude to them it's it's really interesting but you'd think it wouldn't be a big deal if you just tell somebody they have to go do something and just do it there needs to be a lot more and I learned this too in the last 10 years of my career as, as I started to see things shift I really changed my approach a lot and got a lot more out of it I became much more appreciative and vocally so I didn't used to end my day by doing anything other than walking out of the office and if somebody was they're in my path. Hey, see you tomorrow. But I started to make it a point to say thank you to pretty much everybody and, and check in at every little room. Even if I wasn't, I'd walk around and I'd ask some of the people that I knew that had something, is there anything more that you need for me today before I leave? I would just check in. Honestly, it was a huge, huge help. But a lot of the docs, they 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 don't, it's not, again, it's not a rude thing. It's not a bullying thing. It's not a, I'm, I'm just do it. It's not like that. It's, it's, again, if you don't put a little more care into the relationship, it is, it is just so funny to watch how the team just doesn't respect your words as much. And they you just don't get as much out of them. Uh, they they just feel, they feel pushed around. And, and it's, again, it might be a little sad because I don't think we should have to count down to every little thing. But I think there is definitely a change in the air where we we just have to, we have to be a little different with the team and we have to be a little more careful and, and we have to check in with them.
1: Well, that's, so that's an answer I would not have expected. So that that's interesting. What would you say the second thing that you have to address, modify, challenge, change uh, with a docket. Uh, One of your coaching clients is. Uh,
2: I would I would probably answer that with uh, we're still on the same kind of subject, but now it's not with the team. Now it's with the patients. You know, there's there are there are and there's there's two different ways that this can go. It's either the doctor doesn't quite deliver the diagnoses and and treatment planning. I believe properly to get more people to yes, or he does such an amazing job and everybody loves him, And then the team screws it up. So there's, there's a real art and science to be able to get more people to understand their treatment needs and then to actually accept them and say, yes. Um, I, again, I learned some from some great coaches and, and consultants over time. Uh, the best thing we ever did. And I tried pretty much every way over time. I mean, there was a time in my beginning of my career, I would just shove that treatment down my patient's throat. I didn't realize I was doing it, but it, when I figured it out later, yeah, that's kind of what I was doing. And guess what? They would buy it. They would do the treatment. But I started to realize they were not referring anybody to me. Why? Because it was it was aggressive. I guess. I mean, it was just it was just telling. Wasn't asking was just telling them what they had to do and they would do it, but they just didn't feel comfortable sending people my way. When we trained, changed our whole protocol around and flipped it and started asking, sure, you're still delivering information, but then you're asking more questions. You know, what would what would you like to see done? I mean, and honestly, one of the biggest, biggest things can be so simple as new patients come in and doctors, we get all excited to make all these treatment plans and all these things you see on a list of all the things that need to be done. But the person came in for this one little thing. So do you present all this treatment right away when they didn't know they had all these things? I'll talk about it but I learned that if you just really handle that one issue that they thought was an issue first and again and a new patient if you can start with the smallest treatment possible you're gaining you're gaining a ton of trust right off the bat
1: one of the things and, and- i've noticed is you know sales has this negative connotation but daniel pink wrote this book to sell as human everybody's in sales you know, I've got five kids. If I want my kids to do what I ask them to do, it's sales. Right. If someone wants to be intimate with their spouse tonight, that's sales. Sales. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, it's in every part of our life. And what's funny is physicians get paid off of, um, my mind's going blank. I don't remember what it's called. Um, but they get paid off treatments they recommend. Sure. Physicians do. And yeah. it's basically, a physician will never admit this, but physicians work on commission. Now, yeah. so when you come to case acceptance in dentistry, it is sales. Now, the people need the treatment. They may not have the budget for it. They yeah. may not have the, the want to or desire for it at yeah. certain times. But you have to learn how to communicate to people persuasively, not manipulatively, Correct. persuasively. And I bet if you told every de- third year or fourth year dental school student, hey, you're in the sales business, they would probably like all be appalled. Oh, sales <laughs> people are bad. All these it's, people are trying to sell me stuff while I'm in dental school, blah, 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 blah. You are absolutely in sales if you're trying to get case of acceptance. It's so true. They don't get it.
2: no. Nope. No, that's been an ugly word for a long time. It's funny. I used to have my teams read a book called ethical selling because again, we're not trying to sell you a VCR when you came in for a record player. Right. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's unethical. I'm, I'm not talking into something else that you didn't come for. You came for a professional opinion. I can show you like on an intro camera. There's so many things nowadays that we can use at our disposal. And, and that's the other thing we talk about these little tools and tips and tricks to help the patient see and buy in. But one thing we really started to get uh, doctors to do, and I am always pushing this one too, is you're trying to share with the patient, the information that you just gleaned off of everything that you did. You looked around, you poked, you, you took x-rays, you have all these pictures. You need to share that, but you need to try to explain it. Now, if you can't show them on a picture or on a TV screen, If you can't show them and get them to believe it, then then you're doing a terrible job, right? I don't know why anybody would buy anything if you couldn't explain it well. And back in the day, I'm not sure how they did it other than toothaches because you're looking up this tiny little extra, hey, can you see that decay? And the patient would go, no, I can't see that, right? So it was terrible. We've got better technology to do that. But one thing I always teach everybody is share with the patient what's gonna happen next because it's inevitable. If I don't do this little filling, then you're going to have a bigger filling. If I don't do the bigger filling, you're going to have a crown. If we don't get that crown, it cracks down. You're either going to have a root canal or you're going to lose the tooth. I'm trying to save you from the next tier. The next tier always involves more work, possibly a little more pain, and it's always more expensive. So, what would you like to do? How would you like to address this? It was—it's been so much more powerful for us to ask the patient what they want to do and how they want to do this. And then get them to answer those questions. Do you see this crack on this too? Yeah. Okay. Right there. That's helpful because if they don't see it or they don't own up to it, you're not doing your job and and they're never going to buy, right? They they need to understand and they need to know what it is. And you need to be able to explain that better show and tell, but you got to ask
1: so one thing I uh, I see a lot is I see a lot of dentists they are who own their own practice there's this spectrum or this continuum on one side you have they own their own practice but they really own a job now it's a good job I mean yes. typically four days a week pretty good hours good income not a great income and on the opposite end spectrum you see business owners who are dentists yes. and you know I'm, I know guys making several million dollars a year. They're really unicorns in that regard. And then there's everybody in between. Yeah. Um, when you're working with clients, how do you address this um to kind of get them to move down the continuum? Well, I mean, number one, they need they
2: need to have a plan, right? You need to get organized. You can't do anything in any business just willy-nilly. It's just not gonna work. And I really think when what I find. Uh, From some of my clients, the ones who are not at that high end business spectrum, I think a lot of doctors believe they want to be. And I'm not sure that's 100 percent true, because it takes a little bit different mindset, doesn't it? I mean, you have to think a little differently as a true business owner versus a clinical practitioner. And some guys can never get off the clinical practitioner train. And that's okay too. You know, if, if I figure out that that's who they are and they really are those two people, you might just want to own the practice and never do anything clinically and that's okay because you already understand that you were trained in the clinical, so you know how to make sure it's being done right, but you can sit back and be the administrator and that can actually afford you to buy several practices and you can handle them all. And that's probably where more of these guys go who make the big, big money, right? They know how to delegate and they know how to watch over everything and organize. But if you're just a, a clinical, and I don't mean just, but if you're a clinical practitioner and that's your game and that's what you love and you just you don't love the business, then you better find a good consultant, number one. You better have a really damn strong office manager and she better understand business. You better pay for it, right? Because that will help you. But if you. If you're just this clinical guy and everybody else in the team is just kind of clinical people, but nobody really understands the business of it, I'm sorry. You're never going to get there. It's it's going to be a struggle your whole entire career. And that I see that. And, and we have to try to fix that. You just got to have the doctor be a little open minded to go down that road. Are they typically open minded? Yeah, I would say I would say before they before they hired me or anybody else as a consultant or coach, maybe not, but. I don't think, I don't think you come to somebody like me until you're kind of open to that until you're kind of like, going, okay, I guess I can't do this myself. I I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have somebody help me. So it takes a little bit for some people to get over that. Cause it's an ego thing, right? I think doctors, they get into it and they really want to be the hero. They want to help patients. They want everybody to love them. They want their team to love them, but it doesn't always work out that way.
1: How long does it take a doc to turn their operation around To get where they want to go, when they call you in, they say, "Hey, Corey, here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to go. And how long does it take to get there? Well, that takes
2: that takes a little bit of time, and I mean, not not months to to figure out, but it take it might take a week or two of of several talks to really get into where they're at right now. Right? I need numbers. I need stats. I need to see this stuff. There are those doctors who love those numbers and are really good. I can I can ask them and they can give them back to me. And there are other guys, I swear to God, they don't know their numbers. They don't even know where they're at. They know things aren't good, but they, they wouldn't know what their average new patient pull is per month. They don't know how much they're spending, what their budget is or where they're spending the most, which procedures they do the most of, how much profit is in each procedure. They just don't know these things. I used to geek out on that stuff. I love that. But we have to help them either get into those numbers or have somebody on the team who can do those numbers that they trust. Right. I would say to answer your question, honestly, I would say I can, I can get anybody, I mean, really on the road to changing significantly in six months. It's and just going to
1: take, when we talk about changing significantly change for the sake of change is doesn't matter. Ultimately you want to see it come to the bottom line. Correct. And do you see that bottom line start changing within six months? I do.
2: Is it going to be is it going to be to the, the ultimate goal of what they want? And again, that can be variable as well. Right. I mean, some people have higher aspirations than others. If you only want to make an extra, you know, 100 grand a year. I mean, I you can I can have you on that train in, you know, three months, two months. I mean, it's it's not it's not that hard when you start breaking down, I mean, dentistry is pretty easy because you go by what what you're doing, right? I mean it's crowns, it's fillings, it's extractions, this and that. And you take we, we used to take just crowns, crowns around, you know, depending on part of the country, let's just say twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars right in there. So if you got a hundred thousand and you're doing 48 weeks a year, instead of 52, I was figure 48 because vacations and things like that. You got 48, you divide it by, you know, the number of days they're working in the week. I mean, generally you've got about an extra 2000 some odd dollars per week. That's, that's barely two crowns. You can't fit two crowns in extra in a week. Yeah, you can, anybody can, you know, we, we can work the schedule and, and figure things out. I mean, there's a lot of different things to look at, but I don't think it's that hard there's there's just certain things you have to look at Again, we have to have a plan you have to have a budget um, you know they need to start understanding some of their own numbers it, it's it's like any other business if you're not tracking things how the hell do you know where you are right but so many guys and gals out there are owning practices and they're really good clinicians and they just don't really either like or understand the, the numbers. So if we get them to to do some of that again, then it's, but it's all encompassing. It's all kinds of stuff. It's, it's looking at their procedures. Um, one of the things I find is really detrimental for a lot of these practitioners is, I, I've always explained the analogy. It's very akin to going to a, a really big uh, restaurant, like a real family style restaurant. And you open up the menu. And you've got all this food and you flip it over and you've got all these choices for like seven pages. How good can that be? How good can any of those dishes be? Cause there's like 500 dishes on there. Now I'm kind of a foodie. I'm not, I don't want to spend everything I have on a good meal, but my wife and I will enjoy some nice restaurants around Milwaukee. There's some pretty good stuff. But usually when I, we go to the places we go, there aren't a lot of choices. There might be only two pages. Why? Because they're doing what they do well, and that's it, right? And I try to get dentists to see this too. You don't have to do everything. Now, do I think you should train up? Yes, you should always be training your skills. But I see a lot of guys trying to do all these different things, and they have all these different supplies for a thing they might do once or twice a year. For what? And then, and then struggling on a treatment that takes three hours for them, but it should
1: take 30 minutes if they did it more and train themselves. It's Like, don't so, be Walmart. Don't be everything. Be no. a specialties thing. It's like, for example, I talked to these two dentists. They do implants only, uh, and they've been do their practice has been open like less than two years. Yeah, the I amount bet of killed. money they're making is yeah. insane. Right,
2: because they're doing they're niching down, but they do what they do very very well. Correct. And I'm not saying everybody has to just do one thing, but you definitely have to minimize the menu. You, you have to, because you're not going to be good at every single thing. And if you hate dentures, guess what? Don't do dentures. It's okay. But do what you love and your passion will show through. The patients will feel it. There's all kinds of good that happens, but there's a lot of bad happens when you take a treatment plan or take a patient that you never should have taken. I teach them that too. It's okay to say no to a patient. You do not want to marry somebody that doesn't fit with you. And I've had that happen too, and sometimes the best patient you have is the one you never took.
1: Oh I, I, I bet. so so tell me this, who is the ideal dentist or who is the avatar who should hire Corey? like wh- what is their situation? what's their story? How many years out are they? what are they trying? Yeah to- honestly, to be to be fair, I've, I've worked with both and, and they're
2: equally as as helped. And uh, we can achieve the same sorts of things and same sort of increases. The brand new practitioner who's been out just now or just out a couple of years and just knows that there's more to do and they that they don't know. They, and they just don't understand or know the business. I'm perfect for them because I've been through it all. And again, I was a solo practitioner for 27 years, had the corporate side for three years. And if... You know, down the road, the other person that I work with a lot are the people who are middle of the game and they still they just they know there could be more. But again, their business acumen may not be there or they've tried some things and they're disenchanted and they can't seem to move that needle on the practice and get past that that mark that they always thought they should hit. Great. Because I've, I've been there. I've done all that stuff. I'm, I've had my my trials and tribulations. I've had my losses. But, man, I learned a lot of a lot of ways to to make the gains and make things work. Um, what I really am liking now and I'm seeing more of is, again, I went through and unfortunately for me, I learned the hard way about the contracts between a private practitioner who's selling to a corporate I can help a lot of people and I'm seeing a lot of people are interested in maybe selling the corporate. Maybe the younger dentists aren't prepared to buy from them if they have an associate at all and they're going to sell the corporate. But there were a lot of things I learned through that contract thing. Not some of them, not so great. Some were a little ugly and got a little bad later. Uh, But uh, I really, really am, am there to help those people get through it and not let the corporates bully them. Because there are things the corporates can hide in a contract that you don't see. And again, I know this from experience.
1: So if someone was interested in talking to you or hiring you, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, We've got a website, coachingforsuccess.com.
2: So they can go on there. There is a book now. and, And what it really is for is for booking for a free consultation. Listen, I don't know. If I'm the guy who can help you, not, not, I think I can, but I really want to hear your story. I want to hear what your issues are, what things you're struggling with, what you think needs to be done. I might, I might delve into your personal stuff and and your office things and figure out that there's some other things that you don't see, but you know, listen, I, I don't want to take anybody's money up front. I want to talk to somebody for 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes. I don't care that discovery calls free. And we just need to know if we're, good fit for each other they could also just email me directly at drkkw1 at gmail.com i'll answer that way too but you can go through the site check it out and just book the free consultation and we can talk and the email is say the email one more time it's drkkw1 at gmail.com this is great so Corey, any last
1: comments before we go
2: Oh, gosh. Well, again, as I as I alluded to earlier, when didn't allude to, but told you I had I had a neck issue. I, I will tell everybody who's listening on there right now, if you don't have your disability insurance and you're a practitioner, go get it. <laughs> I, I never thought I needed it. I had a great insurance agent who I used to cuss out on a regular basis. Privately, as I paid my exorbitant monthly fee for my disability, when I got hurt in 20 and my neck uh, had to be fused and it knocked me out of the chair, listen, I was pretty darn grateful I had that insurance. It's just something you don't think about, but you know what? You just never know. And I'm as fit and healthy as anybody,
1: any of my friends that I have known. you get hurt. Things happen. Here's the deal that people don't realize. Dentists are high claims. A dentist cannot get as much coverage as a physician can. Right. Um, there are less companies in the marketplace there are uh, today than there were twenty or thirty years ago. Um, they are raising rates on dentists because yeah. they're having claims. Yeah. So, uh, and, and and the ADA coverage a lot of people get, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But you know, if you're filing, if you actually have a claim, you're going to want individual coverage. There's a handful of companies that are really good and having a good insurance agent um is important so what he's saying is spot on and and the other thing i think is now you're
2: you're a financial guy right yeah okay dentists need a financial guy listen i i run into this all the time too dentists know how to make money in dentistry but they don't always know how to invest they think they do because they're very smart people very educated but I'm sorry. You know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. Get a uh, financial professional to help
1: you so that you have a bunch of money when you're done working. Otherwise, you'll, you'll just you'll just waste it. And if you know how to grow a business, the, the best rate of return you're ever going to get is investing in your business. But at some point in time, you will not invest in your business and you will invest otherwise. Um, and so it's it's important to have somebody you trust who can help you out along the way. So well, I'm glad... I'm glad you said that invest in your business
2: as well and invest in yourself because the other thing I do see, and it just makes me cringe every time because I'm very, very seldom seen it work out, is where uh, dentists think, you know, I'm I'm kind of a little bored or tired or whatever it is with dentistry. I'm getting a little older. I'm not sure if I'm going to get out of, you know, working 100%, and then they go buy a restaurant. Jeez. Where, stay in your lane. I've seen more guys wreck fortunes because they went into something they had no business getting into that they thought was easy. And trust me, if you don't understand the business, there's nothing easy. They're all hard. They're all
1: they're all difficult, but you already knew your business. You already knew dentistry. Stay in your lane. You're right. You're right. Well, Corey, thanks so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan.
0: This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Ross Brandon is a registered representative of Coastal Equities, Inc., and Investment Advisory Representative of Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc., and securities are offered through Coastal Equities, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.